Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello. We couldn't finish our series on leaders and authorities without talking about Jesus. Jesus is our example. He's our leader. He is the king. He is the authority. The Bible says that God has given all authority to Jesus to judge and to save. He is the king of the universe. And only at the very end of time, 1 Corinthians 15 says, will he hand the kingdom back to the Father and there'll be an end of all rule and authority. But for now, Jesus is our example. So I want to look at six points about Jesus as the king. And then we're going to look at how it applies to us. And we're wrapping up a series where we've spoken about how do I, as a believer, relate to the government, to my parents, to my boss, to church leaders, and how do I fulfill some of those roles myself? So Jesus was born to be king. He was the promised king. And when Mary, his mother, was being told that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, interestingly, the word Messiah means king. It means anointed one, and anointed ones in Jewish life were kings. So Messiah means king. Mary was told he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Throne means kingly role. And he will reign, which means king, over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So she understood and all of the Jews understood the Messiah was bringing in a kingdom. The question occurs, well, who was the king before? If Jesus, the Messiah, is the new king, who was the king? We'll look at that. Jesus preached and acted with authority. Let me read you this passage from Luke chapter 4 and see if you can pick up his authority. He's now a humble man. He's a carpenter. He's grown up in poverty without any of the earthly titles or signs of being a king. And yet, look at how he acts. And he is our example and our savior and he tells us how to live. So Luke chapter 4, 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Have you ever had people filled with wrath against you? And they rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Did you know that? Jesus was threatened with death when he first began his ministry. What does Jesus do? Verse 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. Wow. You know, this reminds me of another time at the end of his life when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus and they said, which one of you is Jesus? And he said, I am. And they fell down. There was authority in this man. Let me read on. Verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. There was something different about this man and the way he spoke with authority. What does that mean? It means confidence, it means power, and it impacts those who hear. Let's read on. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Jesus heals him and in verse 36 it says, Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Amazing. And now we get to the crux of it. Jesus came to overcome Satan. He did that with the way he lived. When he was tempted, he 
beat Satan in the temptation competition, and he proved it. Let me read you two passages. Luke 4 verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. We're talking about kingdoms, leadership, authority. And the devil shows him all the kingdoms, all the authority of the world, all the leaders and leadership of the world. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. The devil said, I'm the king, but I'll give it to you. You don't have to go, Jesus, through the pain of the cross and dying to get the kingdom back. I'll just give it to you if you will worship me. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Awesome. That's my Jesus. That's our hero. He comes back against the temptation to take the shortcut route. And he says, No, 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 no. I won't serve you, Satan. And then in Matthew 12, verse 26, the Pharisees saw that Jesus was casting out demons and they said, oh, well, you're using demons to cast out demons. And verse 26, Jesus says, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So there was a kingdom and it was the devil's kingdom. Verse 28, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods Unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. So Jesus showed that when he healed people, raised the dead, provided for people, uh, multiplied miracles of, of bread and loaves, walked on water, all these things, uh, cast out demons, he was bringing in this new authority, this new kingdom. As you're hearing this, you're thinking, okay, awesome Jesus, but does this apply to me? Let's read on. The next thing about Jesus is that he submitted and he was humble. He's the king of the universe. He was there when the stars were made, when God said, let's throw galaxies into space. Let's create all these different things in the world. Let's make all the creatures of the world, the molecules, the water, the air. Jesus was there when God spoke creation into existence. He looks at the people in front of him and they are his creation. He just needs to snap his fingers and they disintegrate into dust. But think about this. He completed carpentry jobs for his customers. <laughs> think about that for a moment. For all those years, Jesus is working as a carpenter. People are coming and complaining and telling him to do things and he does what they ask him to do. He submitted to John's baptism. John the Baptist, his cousin, Jesus could have just said, Get out of the way, John. But he submitted to John's baptism. He paid taxes. He paid his taxes, but he's the king of the universe. He washed his disciples' feet. He surrendered to the soldiers when they came to arrest him. He didn't need to do that. He subjected himself to those illegal trials where they gave false evidence against him. But he submitted. He yielded to Pilate, Pontius Pilate's verdict. But while he was talking to Pilate, he said, you think you have authority, but you don't really. It was given to you from above. But he yielded. And then he allowed himself to be hung on a cross, though he could have called legions of angels to rescue him. He allowed himself to be killed.
Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant or slave, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus even uh, submitted within reason to the Pharisees' instructions and commands. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, verse 2, saying, These scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they are holding a position of authority that is legitimate. They have a position that we must respect. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. He's saying, even though he spoke harshly and he criticized the Pharisees and he told them some home truths, he said, do what they tell you to do. But then he said, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. A perfect balance, submission, but honesty. He is his own man. He is the Lord of all the earth, but he chooses to submit. Right, next point. He taught and modeled servant leadership. Matthew 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then my last point is he gave us spiritual authority. Luke 9 verse 1, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. This is him calling the 12 disciples together. He says, go. And they went and they did it. And amazing things happen. The next chapter, he sends out 70. So not just the 12, but they all pick helpers and then they send them out Jesus sends them out and there's 70 or 72 of them and in Luke 10 verse 19 Jesus says behold I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you Jesus gave them authority and it worked they came back to him and they were rejoicing. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. They were casting out demons. They were healing people. Every time they went into a place, Jesus said, make a connection. Find a man of peace who accepts and is friendly towards you. Tell him the kingdom of God is here and then heal, raise the dead, cast out demons. Show them the, the power of this new authority. Now, you may not have thought of authority like this. We've been speaking of bosses and government leaders and parents and all these things. But there is a spiritual aspect to authority. And what we're seeing here is a clear division, a dividing line between how we treat the works of the devil, which we are supposed to crush underfoot, 
and people where we're supposed to treat them with respect but exercise human authority within the, the bounds that God has given us. And there is a difference. And I'm so sad that so many Christians have not understood this difference. Can I tell you what I think many of us think godly authority means? It means we must force people to do what we want and we must ignore the devil and not talk to him or about him. And it's actually the opposite. We're not supposed to force people. We're supposed to love people and exercise authority, respecting their free will and being a servant leader. But when it comes to the devil, we crush his works. How do we do that? We pray, we preach, we practice the kingdom of God, and we set men free from the lies that the devil has put on them. You know, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 4, it says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the gospel, the light of, of truth. The God of this age, the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Sometimes it's an evil spirit who just puts lies in people's heads and they think things that aren't true. Sometimes it's distractions of all the lights and glitziness of this world and so they're blinded by the attractions of this world and they cannot see the gospel. Sometimes it's hurt and pain where he hurts people when they're children and they're so wounded that they can't get out of it and they're blinded. But God has given us the ability through preaching the truth, through praying and prophesying God's word, and through speaking to evil spirits and saying, we command you to stop blinding that person and setting them free and showing them the love of Christ. We can set people free from this ungodly king. So let's read on. Matthew 16 verse 15. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the king, you are the Messiah, you are the, the one who's come to bring in God's kingdom and to kick out the devil's kingdom. You are the Christ. And Jesus then said, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What's the rock? It's this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, this, this God-given insight on this rock. But he said, you are Peter, which means little rock, and on this Petros, big rock, Petra, sorry, Petros is Peter, Petra is big rock. He said, you are a little rock, but on this big rock of you and this revelation of Christ, I will build my church. And then he said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The kingdom of the devil will not prevail. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus wanted us as his people to exercise his authority. And now I'm just going to list three or four things that we must do as a response to Christ's example of authority. Number one, we must make him the king of our lives. You know, you are not his subject or his servant until you choose to be. In Psalm 110, there's a prophecy of the Messiah. It is the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. It is quoted so many times in the New Testament, and you may have never even heard it. Psalm 110, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. God wants his kingdom to expand. And then he says, 
your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The picture is of young soldiers coming up early in the morning, just like little glistening drops of dew, and they are volunteers. Friend, the first point is you have to be a volunteer to be part of God's kingdom. You have to say yes. You don't get born into it. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to say, Lord, I want you to be king. There's a throne in your life and you may sit on it or someone else may be telling you what to do or the devil may be ruling your life. But you have to willingly, by a choice of your will, say, God, I want you to be the king of my life. And Jesus said that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, has him as their king. It's only those who do what he says. He says it's like a man building a house on sand or on rock. If you build your house on his words, you do what he says, you're building your house on rock. And when the floods of this life or the flood of judgment at the end of our lives come, that house will stand. But others may build their house on what they think are other things. Other people are sitting on the throne. And when the flood comes, it will be destroyed. Number two, we must resist and overcome the devil. We can't ignore him and pretend he's not there. Uh, James 4 verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So God gives grace to the humble. So I say, I'm not the, the Lord. I'm not the king. Uh, God is the king. Submit to God and then resist, actually resist the devil. What does that mean? It means you say no, just like when Jesus was tempted by the devil. When you feel tempted, you say, no, Satan, I will not do that. I will not think that. I will not go along that road because God's word says it is written and we resist him. And then we tell him to flee. When you have sickness in your body, speak to that sickness. Say, Jesus says, pain, go, sickness, go. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit to God, resist, he will flee. Have you done those things? A longer version of this passage is 1 Peter 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with hu humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Can you see it's the same things that James said, but Peter is just expanding on it. He says, Submit yourselves to other people, be humble. Submit yourself to God under his mighty hand. And then in verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So number one is make Jesus your king. Number two is actively resist the devil. At my Bible school, the man who started it said, you have to pray one aggressive warfare prayer every day against the devil. Make sure you are resisting him. Amen. And then number three, we must extend his kingdom. In Matthew 28, at the end of his life, Jesus said, all authority 
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He'd won it back. When he died on the cross and through his life, he won back authority from the devil. He beat him. He is the new, the new Lord of everything. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've got to see our mission as Jesus's mission, which is extending this news of he is the king. There is a new king and we are his representatives and we bring that love. We bring that healing. We bring that good news, that truth, that release, that freedom. I'd like to close by reading a passage which was written around about 130 AD. There was a man called Diognetus. We don't know anything about him. We just, historians have found this piece of writing and a letter was written to Diognetus explaining what a Christian is from another man who was his friend. And he said this, for the Christians inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according as the lot of each of them has determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. They marry, as do all others. They beget children, but they do not abort their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich, they are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of and yet are justified. They are reviled and bless. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. The Christians, though subjected day by day to punishment, increase the more in number. Friends, that's the heritage we have from 130 AD, right at the early start of Christianity, when Christianity was changing the whole world this is how they lived. They showed a different attitude to authority. They spread the kingdom of God, not by crushing people, but by crushing the devil and loving people. They respected authority. And so they were held in high regard, even though they were hated for their beliefs. 
And as they did this, the kingdom of God grew and spread. My prayer and hope is that I live like this, that I represent Christ in the same way, that I show that he is my king by the way that I work for my boss and respect him, the way that I am with my family, loving them and respecting them and and showing them God's love, the way that I am with the government, paying my taxes and obeying, but when I disagree, disagreeing respectfully, but doing all that I can to change things. And in my church, extending the kingdom of God while respecting my church leaders. Friends, we at Leading Lights were set up because we believe God wants leaders, those little droplets of dew, those shining lights, to be all over the world. Leaders who will stand up and say, not only do I respect the king and my authorities and God my king, but I want to be a leader. I want to lead others to righteousness. And if you would like to do more for the kingdom of God, we would love to help you. We're not asking you to leave your church. We're just trying to develop you as a leader and spur you on to do good works, to do more for Christ. Please have a look at our website. And now if you would like to pray in response to what we've said about leaders and authorities, I'm going to invite you to give your life to Jesus and then to respect and honor leaders more. So let's pray. Lord God, I want you to be my king. I want to serve you, not myself or someone else. Please, would you take the throne of my life, forgive me for my sins and lead me for the rest of my days. And Lord, I want to honor authorities and respect them. And as I do so, be a witness to the world around me. Please help me, Lord, to be better in that. And Lord, I want to be a leader. Please, would you help me and empower me to lead others closer to Christ and to obey you in in spreading your gospel around the world. Lord Jesus, please link me with the people and with your power that I need to be able to submit to you, to resist the devil and to see him flee. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.